Hey guys, welcome back to Love and Dubai Show. It is Monday morning and we kicked off the show talking about all of the incredible relief packages that were packed this weekend for Gaza. Dubai came together uh, as a whole just to show the community spirit in a very difficult time. Exactly. We saw so many people just coming in together with their friends and families and making a weekend out of it, you know, just getting in with the donation drives, making sure they're getting involved in whichever way that they can to just show their solidarity with Gaza. And apart from that, Imar is also cancelling upcoming events because of the regional tensions that are ongoing at the moment. There were other events cancelled, postponed, sorry, Sean, Paul, T.I., Macklemore, and... as the community just kind of readjust to you know the really tragic events that we're seeing unfold before our eyes in other news we talked about the rain and how dubai has enhanced residential area road infrastructure and drainage later on in the show please stay tuned because nyla kiani joined us she is an inspirational super mom she has summited seven summits in seven months and she's not stopping there Good morning, Dubai. Welcome back to the Love and Dubai show where we go through the top trending stories that everyone across the country is talking about. The weather, the cyclone Tej is coming close. We're also going to be talking about thousands of volunteers in Dubai rallied together to pack relief packages for Gaza. We'll also be talking about MR cancelling upcoming events. Ed Sheeran coming to Dubai. And Dubai enhances residential area roads, infrastructure, and drainage. And later on in the show, we're going to be joined by the incredible Naina Kiani, who sets a new record for seven summits in seven months. She's a mom of two. She's from Pakistan, but lives in Dubai. And her story is amazing, so we cannot wait to have her on the show. Quickly, uh, we just posted about Cyclone Tej, which is hitting eastern and southern parts of the UAE. So I just want to point out that it's not expected to hit Dubai, so Dubai residents... Do not fear, the rain is not coming. I'm sorry, Simran, it's not going to rain in Dubai, as far as I know, other parts of the country. So they've declared a two-day holiday for public and private sectors in Oman. That is not the reason that I was asking for the cyclone. I was not asking for the cyclone. It was just like, it would be nice to have some rain. Uh, but as we approach, get into the winter months, you can expect rains, showers, and cloud seeding initiatives and all of that for Dubai. But yeah, Oman, like two-day holiday for them. Can we just get a quick uh, audience poll here? Do you really like the rain? See, if I were staying in a place like London, right, I would be like, enough. 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 Ireland, enough. Yes. yes. Put a roof on her, please. <laughs> Make it stop. But when you stay in a place like Dubai and it's like sunny 365 days of the year, you just want a bit of rain, a bit of cloudiness, a little bit of gloom and uh, like, you know, gray skies to catch the fields. It's, I think it's the clear difference between Dubai kid born and raised yeah. and someone who lives here because of the good weather <laughs> yeah. and many other reasons. But sunny sunshine in the morning is something that I just, I think it's such a blessing. I love you're it. On, you're right. You cannot complain about a sunny side up. Sunny side up. No, you cannot. Well, Cyclone Tej, um, it is indirectly impacting the UAE, uh, mainly eastern parts of the country. So the Adafa region, Sharjah, is experiencing heavy rain and hail. If you see the videos uh, that we've just posted on our Love in Dubai feed, please don't leave the show. Check it after. Um, it is quite a marked difference to what we have here in Dubai. So uh, I don't think we're going to be expecting rain in Dubai. But just as a side note, if you are in one of the other Emirates, it might hit you. 
exactly. And the weekend was jam-packed with a whole bunch of activities going on from uh, festive celebrations to you guys going out and donating. So we'll jump into our first story, which is thousands of volunteers in Dubai rallied together to pack relief packages for Gaza. So on Saturday, October 21st, thousands of volunteers rallied together in the city to pack relief packages for the people um, in Gaza in line with Emirates Red Crescent's Tarahum for Gaza initiative. People gathered at uh, Kalat Al-Rimal uh, Al- events in Dubai to prepare more than 7,500 relief packages. In coordination with the World Food Program, they are sending the relief packages to Egypt to enter Palestine through the Rafah crossing. Last week, the Emirates Red Crescent initiated this campaign to express solidarity with Palestinians suffering from the ongoing conflict. Moreover, the campaign aims to alleviate the suffering of the most vulnerable groups. These groups include more than one million Uh, children who constitute more than half of Gaza Strip's population. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Emirates Red Crescent and the World Food Programme and the Ministry of Community Development supervise this incredible initiative that saw so many of you get out to support in terms of donations and volunteering. Exactly. And a lot happened in El Circle Avenue as well. A lot of our colleagues and friends, families we saw going down there and just uh, getting involved in the whole donation drive. And moreover, 20 relief and humanitarian organizations uh, supporting Tarahum for Gaza campaign were involved. Also, Her Highness Sheikha Latifa bint Mohammed Al Maktoum participated and met with the thousands of volunteers. Um, Her Highness Sheikha Latifa bint Mohammed Al Maktoum passionately lent her support by assembling relief packages at the Tarahum for Gaza initiative in the city. Her hands-on involvement served as a heartfelt gesture of solidarity with those in need. And it was just truly uh, touching to see the number of people that got involved, shared it on their platforms, shared it on their stories, just um, not even like to show like, oh, I'm here, I'm you know doing this. It's to show like the community spirit because people turned out in flocks and flocks just to be there to, sh- uh, to support and to... get involved in whichever way that they could. So true. And I think it's so important what you said about Her Highness visiting to show her hands-on help there. And we've also seen, you know, His Highness Sheikh Hamdan, Crown Prince of Dubai, he posted a message in support of Palestine as well. And if you missed it and you'd like to take part, you still can. Uh, Al-Sirkal Warehouse One, they're going to have, they're accepting donations for the next 10 days. Uh, over the weekend, uh, some of the things that they wanted to highlight is don't bring in dirty clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, bring in clean new clothes. And Emirates Red Crescent are only accepting clean, uh, excuse me, new clothes. Um, you can bring in, you know, hygiene packs, winter packs, um, anything that you think might be beneficial. They don't accept medicines. Um, just some of the things I spotted on the, over the weekend. Um, but also, if you cannot make it there, donating online takes two seconds, literally. Okay, not literally, but it's a very quick process. You can use Apple Pay. Just head on to Emirates Red Crescent, and they have that code that you can scan. Scan the QR code. It brings you there. They go from minimum, I think, five or 10 dirham uh, to whatever you want. And if you just think about whatever you spent over the weekend, if you put that to Palestine, how much more impact it would have. Uh, so do think about it if you can, and if you're not able to make it down to any of the volunteer warehouses. 100%. And like we saw over the weekend, the Rafa border opened and we saw all these truck uh, trucks filled and filled with relief packages going. And it was just an amazing sight to see because people, that's what everyone was asking for. Like the world was asking for for the longest time for these borders to open up. And it happened over the weekend. It was just 
True, but I think the real scary thing is the number of the amount of trucks going in in comparison to before they close the borders is a lot less. Yeah. And the need requirement is a lot more. True. And what's going in, things like fuel aren't going in, uh, things that people really need. So although some aid is getting in there, obviously the question mark is still going is, is the aid getting in? And that's the question that you're asking every time. But what else can we do? You know, all exactly, we can do yeah. is pack the trucks. Hopefully... people in power will come to some sense and allow the aid to get through and that's all that you can just hope and pray exactly but it's like a percent of relief you know just seeing those trucks going inside but like you said so much more can be done and you hope for so much more to be done Uh, but we will jump into our next story about what's happening locally. So Imar has cancelled upcoming events due to the current global situation in Palestine and ongoing challenges faced by our global community. So basically recognizing that we are a global community, Imar is cancelling community events and festivities. The property developer shared a notice with its residents this weekend. It read, due to the current global situation in Palestine and the ongoing challenges faced by our global community, we have decided to cancel the upcoming community events until further notice. The statement continued, we understand that our community events are cherished occasions for many, especially our younger residents, and this decision was not taken lightly. Our thoughts are with those who are affected by the recent events, and we stand in solidarity with them during these difficult times. They finished the statement by saying, we apologize for any inconvenience this cancellation may cause, and we appreciate your understanding and cooperation during these extraordinary circumstances. Along with that, we got the news that Sean Paul, T.I., Macklemore, they're the big events that are coming up in the next two weeks. They have also canceled. Macklemore actually posted um, uh, supporting Palestine, um, which you know in the U.S. It's, it's, it's a really kind of big post to make, but he did that, and he's canceled his concert here. Postponed. Mm, postponed. He's postponed his concert. Um, and I saw a, a big conversation about um, Imar cancelling community events in a Facebook group. But I think on the whole, people who are very, like, I think people really do appreciate the respect being shown to something that's so difficult. Yeah. Uh, um, I mean, circumstances like this, right? You just don't know how to go about it because you have so much Um, emotions inside of you, seeing what's happening, knowing what's happening around the world, you anyway feel so privileged to be going about your day-to-day life. And then when you go for an event during these times, or when you go out celebrating, when you go out just having a good time, you know, some somewhere you feel guilty, somewhere you feel like it's not right, but then, you know, you don't know how much, how much to like, you need a moment to disconnect, but like times like this, Imar has taken a stand and they're just like, you know, we will cancel the events or we're going to postpone because it's a hard time for everyone. Because when events are there, you just, as hard as it sounds, like you still want to go, you still want to disengage from reality and like attend those things. So, you know, I don't know, in a way it's very welcome, this move. Yeah, I think in general, it definitely brought up a debate. Um, I think, you know, with Halloween coming up and stuff like that, people were like, yeah, but what about the kids? But I think overall, as a mark of respect for something that we yeah. haven't seen and, and that is such a shadow over the community, uh, in the majority actually really does support the move. Um, and like you said, the, the events are being postponed. So hopefully um, when we reach a, a ceasefire, hopefully in the not too distant future, we can look back at the community kind of returning to normality. But until now, we have to just realize that the community is not normal. Yeah. What's happening now isn't normal. And it's uh, a situation that we all probably are facing together. And actually, Imar highlighting that. I'm sure people, um, the people who appreciate it appreciate more than the people who don't, you know. Yeah, it's true. really nice for the community to stand up together and say, actually, look, this is a really challenging time for everyone. So maybe we should take a step back, take a step back from all the usual stuff that's happening and mark it. 
Yeah, I think um, it's like making the decision for the people. And I think sometimes these kind of things are just required. Like, it sounds so privileged to even be saying this, like, you know, instead of you going like, I'm not going to attend the concert or the event or like, oh, my friend's birthday is coming up. We're not going to celebrate. Like, you know, we want to do this to celebrate. But then now it's like you... The, the city is standing in solidarity and going like, no, we're not going to have these major celebratory events at the moment. Like you said, because of the, you know, like everything that's going on in Gaza and Palestine right now. So welcome move, like we said, mm-hmm. and conflicting feelings will always be there for anything um, that, you know, the government or the city or like you personally choose to do. Speaking of, and this is uh, flipping the conversation um, because actually Ed Sheeran announced over the weekend that he's coming to Dubai and that was met with some people questioning the move with what's going on. Um, However, uh, it is big news on the concert front. Um, After he was here back in 2017, Ed Sheeran announced he's coming back with his mathematics tour in 2024. However, the way he announced it, it wasn't a big I'm coming to the Middle East announcement. It was I've kickstarted my world tour. I'm going to be in Asia. I'm going to be Uh, back in Europe in summer. So it was kind of a world tour announcement. Um, and then when you went onto his website, you could see that uh, Dubai was also there, which for fans, this is huge. So Ed Sheeran did post a video saying he's starting his tour in Asia. And then in the summer, it'll hit uh, Europe, like AC mentioned, and hitting some places he'd never been before. And also some um, old places as, you know, like as part of his previous tours. So, I mean, of course, Ed Sheeran, we're all fans, relate to his music. It's a very exciting time for like diehard Ed Sheeran fans, knowing that he's coming, that Dubai is on his list of places. Mm -hmm. I think Dubai, Bahrain. Um, and then I didn't see the full rundown. Um, but yeah, Ed Sheeran coming is big news. I think because he said 2024, we expect it could be January. Um, we could guess at venues, but mm, yeah, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's jump into our next story. You know, we were talking at the beginning of the show about uh, Cyclone Tej indirectly impacting the country. Now, if it did come to Dubai, what would that mean? It would mean floods, heaps of rain, floods. However, Dubai is on the ball once again, proactively. ensuring life is easier for residents. Exactly. So we've had so many situations where we had like rains hitting the city and there were floods in many areas. So just know that the city is having that under control with Dubai enhancing residential area, road infrastructure and drainage. So RTA Dubai is enhancing road infrastructure, street lighting and drainage in certain residential areas in the city. Also, this project is in response to directives of His Highness Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum and the instructions of her Highness, uh, His Highness Sheikh Hamdan bin Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum. The RTA completed 72% of construction in four different residential areas in Dubai. They completed construction in Margham, Lebab, Lesali, and Hatta with a total of a total distance of 38 kilometers. Furthermore, it reflects RTA's commitment to upgrading the infrastructure of roads, street lights, and rainwater drainage systems in residential communities. Enhancing residential areas, road infrastructure, and drainage is crucial for ensuring the safety and convenience of residents. Moreover, properly designed and maintained roads and drainage systems not only improve daily mobility, but also reduce the risk of flooding and infrastructure damage during adverse weather conditions, therefore contributing to the overall well-being of the community. You know, um, <laughs> like 10 to... 14 years ago, I would say, like when I was staying in Gisess, um, behind my house, there was this big area where they were just like digging and there was maintenance going on for the longest time. And I was asking my building security, like, what exactly is going on there? And he's just like, oh, they're building an underground tram. 
which wasn't the case. It was now, you know, after years, you kind of realize like these uh, random bits of construction going on around the city. It's basically to enhance drainage and yeah. to, you know, like to help with like adverse weather, weather conditions when it happens to make sure like everything is in place. Uh, but it was just so funny. Like now that I think about it, because people see and go like, oh, are they building something here? Are they, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and then he told you trust. <laughs> Like, Five years later, petty drops. That that would happen when you're younger. Someone tells you something, and then you're a few years later, you're thinking, "Huh, I don't know if that was that was quite the case." Um, but interesting about the, I never really thought about that. The little pockets of yeah, um, construction. construction is if they're helping with drainage, because one of the things that does happen is I remember when I was teaching, and when there was really really heavy rain. You know, we'd have to send the kids home at 11 a.m. because, which was great. No, we'd have to because uh, the roads would flood, and we we were concerned about the school buses getting through, and even the schools themselves didn't have yeah. the correct drainage system. So it is something that you do need to look at, especially when a couple of times a year we do get heavy rainfall. Oh my God! Picturing you as a teacher and like sending the little kids on body boards to their cars—that's what I was. No, we carried right them uh-huh. because it was uh, like a foot of rain. a foot of rain uh, flooding in the entire kind of courtyard. Yeah. We had to get them to the buses. They were loving life. They literally, because they don't see rain all the time and they yeah. had their their like nice coats and boots that they get to here once a year. They're like, yes, it's wet, <laughs> wet. So we picked them up and carried them over to the buses. Luckily, they all got home safe. Um, and it's just oh. an exciting, it would be like in Ireland because it rains there a lot, but never snows. So in Ireland, if you get a snow day mm. once a year, school might be cancelled mm. and you'd be really excited to be outside. It's the same here when it rains. Not well, so much, but yeah, same. Honestly, you can't complain when you're a you know, kid in the UAE and it's raining and your teachers are picking you up. That was one time, but yeah. <laughs> that is so cute, just envisioning that. Like, imagine videos of like teachers like just picking up little kids and dropping the school buses. Oh. Could you imagine? But there's 30 kids in a class and there's you and a helper and there's... eight classes in one corridor and you're all trying to get one. Do you bu- ever lift two kids at once? No, that would be so cute. <laughs> <laughs> you're trying to get them all. Anyway, um, rain in Dubai. Uh, <laughs> as we said, hopefully not going to see Our it here. favorite topic Our ever. F- ever. Rain. Send us videos. <laughs> um, okay, Fog. let's jump on to our next story. It's 8.47 on Monday morning. We hope you're as excited about this new week as we are because we feel so blessed to be here. Uh, our next story, Naila Kiani sets a new record. Seven summits in seven months. Please stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome back to the Love in Dubai show. Please meet Naila Kiani, the Dubai-based Pakistani-born supermom who's not only been conquering mountains but breaking records in the process. She recently conquered her seventh 8,000 meter peak in just seven months and she's now completed 10 out of the 14 8,000 meter peaks in just over two years that is no small accomplishment welcome to the show thank, thank you so much so for being much. here thank you incredible lady thank you <laughs> yeah. I don't know what to say after that amazing thank you so much for joining us Okay, so uh, you have honestly the most incredible achievements achievements that so many people like you know uh, it's it's intense You know, like to think of climbing a mountain and to think of even going through all that. So how did you get into this? Um, so I started uh, trekking. I mean, I loved being in the mountains. And actually, it's quite uh, strange, funny, interesting at the same time. I wanted to celebrate my wedding. I didn't want a big, I'm from Pakistan and we have big weddings. And I wanted to stay away from that. So I wanted to celebrate my wedding and have a photo shoot. So that was my first time 
uh, in Karakoram, uh, in front of K2 Mountain. So I did a trek. So from there, I uh, there I, I met many mountaineers and I was very inspired because I saw a documentary Everest or movie Everest just before uh, that trek. And I was like, why are these, these people are crazy? They're risking their lives just to be on top of the mountain. <laughs> but that trek actually changed uh, my mind about that. I wanted to experience that and I started, uh, I did my climb my first peak two years ago. Um, I, I never planned to be a mountaineer or a climber ever in my life. I, I never thought, I'd, especially, I never thought I'd do it after having kids. Wow, so you climbed your first peak t- just two years ago, and since then you've gone on to conquer seven of the world's highest summits? Ten. Ten, ten of the world's highest summits? <laughs> That's amazing. So what? Let's let's go rewind to two years ago. What type of training did you do for your first peak? Were you prepared? Do you feel so? I mean, I uh, it was July twenty twenty one, and I I lived here. I didn't have any. I mean, I couldn't go to uh, big mountains to train myself because that's the uh, best training you can do. Train on, uh, do smaller tracks, climb smaller peaks to prepare yourself for for the highest mountains. So I was here, all I could do was gym training, uh, work on my strength, endurance, cardio training. And uh, my purpose wasn't my, I wasn't aiming to to go to the top. I wanted to experience uh, the journey. I wanted to experience being on the mountain with the uh, elite mountaineers. And but that training still helped me. Um, I managed to reach the t- top. I didn't think I could reach the top of the mountain, but I did. But all I did was gym training uh, here in Dubai. So how supportive was your family of this? Because I mean, coming from a Desi household, these are things that are very like unconventional. Uh, yes. So I mean, I didn't tell my uh, obviously my husband knew, but I didn't really tell my parents or his parents because I was worried about the reaction. So I kept. talking to him about mountaineering or climbing a mountain for two years before I actually climbed it. So he knew, he said, he probably thought if he doesn't agree, I'll never stop going on about mountains. <laughs> so he thought it might be one off. Uh, so he, I mean, he, for the first one, he was okay. He, he like I said, I, it, it took me two years uh, to convince him. Uh, but second mountain that was last year, K2, it's one of the world's most dangerous mountain. It took me nine months t- again to uh, keep talking about it. Then I had to get a friend to agree, to get him to agree on it because it's it's dangerous and he was worried about my safety. Um, but this year has been easier. It's been very, I mean, he was supportive anyway last year and the year before. But this year he, he knew that I will not, I mean, it's risky, but I won't make decisions that will make it even uh, more dangerous or, I mean, I go with the best team. So he knew that I will take, I mean, he's concerned now because my last expedition wasn't, it didn't go very well. Um, but he's been very supportive. I have two young kids, two young girls. And he, I mean, he's been very, he's been amazing helping to look after them. And I mean, it's not easy for a mother to leave kids. Sometimes I hear comments on uh, online that what kind of mother are you leaving kids behind? But I knew I had the comfort because I knew I have an amazing husband who's a really good father, not just, you know, like he's very hands-on. And uh, yeah, so I think that really helped me to do what I did in the last two That's- years such a green flag I mean that's amazing support system to have in the house but you said it, your last um, expedition didn't go as well how come what happened there so I mean I I've, it's it's a dangerous sport I've seen uh, people die uh, previously too uh, 
but not as part of my own expedition. So on the last expedition, Shisha Pangma in Tibet, four people died. I mean, two were my own team members and they got hit by an avalanche. And uh, so but it was the story behind it. I just want to share it very quickly. They were competing to be the first American woman and they didn't want to work together. So they were really, and uh, it was a very aggressive, uh, at the end it became toxic, that competition. So you cannot compete on the mountain. I mean, there's always been competition, but when it turns toxic, people ignore the safety factors and they make decisions that can risk their life. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I'm still sort of recovering that experience. I think that made the news, this one. Uh, yes, yes, it did. And how did it come about that you were climbing together, this, this group? So, I mean, we... Uh, so I knew the other lady, so, so basically there were two American women, one was part of my group and then the other lady was part of another group I climbed with her before. She was my a team member on K2 before and we met on many mountains. Uh, so... Oh, sorry. I was, that must have been so difficult. I mean, to be honest, I'm a little bit still, uh, when I come back from mountains, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but I feel lightheaded for a week or so. But this experience was actually quite traumatic. So, I, I mean, my husband told me last night about this. I was like, what? I have, a, I have this show in the morning, but I'm still a little bit, I mean, not there just because of this uh, experience. But it, it is part of uh, being on the mountains. It is risky. But as a mother, I think when even when this happened, um, when the first avalanche happened and I, we could see that something's gone wrong and we didn't exactly know what happened, then my expedition leader said, go up, continue going up, because it's uh, a lot of people were competing, a lot of people, uh, for a lot of people, it was their last uh, 14th mountain to complete the 14th challenge. So, I mean, maybe the motherly instinct told me not to, so I said straight away, I mean, some other people were still considering going up. I said straight away, I'm going down. So I was the first person to go down, and half an hour after that, there was another avalanche that took the other lady. So, oh, no. so yeah, I think being a mother maybe helped me to decide that, you know, we cannot, because when you're so close, we were very close to the top. When you're so close, you've spent thousands, whether it's your money or sponsor's money, and you've spent a lot of time away from family. You feel like maybe, we call it summit fever. We say, maybe we should just, you know, it'll take two, three more hours, take the risk and go up. But you, you then need to decide whether, you know, you should, go for the summit or go for the safety? Um, would you have felt any regret? Okay, uh, no. Um, okay, so in the mountains, like what exactly do you learn out of it? Like one is clearly to trust your instincts, you know, like trust whatever your gut is telling you. And it, this time your gut proved you right. So what other learnings have you taken from the, you know, just climbing um, and mountaineering? I think... Um, very difficult question. I have to, I guess, think for a couple of moments. But um, I mean, good or bad lessons. One thing is, I mean, you make really amazing friends. I mean, people you meet, you don't know them for a long time. But when you spend time with them there, they help you to climb. Because what I miss, because sometimes people, uh, I mean, there's another Pakistani female, she climbed with her family. Her family is there as expedition company. 
what I miss was the uh, not having the emotional support of family members, and I don't always tell my husband. Like if there's if something goes wrong, I don't always share it with my family members because I don't want to make them worry. But the connections you make there, some sometimes they, they, I mean, they sometimes you know people for a very short uh, amount of time, but they really help you uh, overcome that emotional or sort of cover that emotional gap that you feel over there in the mountains. Um, I think that's my biggest, uh, uh, that's something that really helped me on the mountains. And um, I think apart from that, I can't think of anything. Is there anything you would tell your children, you know, like from your experiences up there, like anything you've learned, like that you can use in life as well that you would pass on to your kids? Uh, my mind's still blank. Uh, but one thing, I think keep going because I had a lot of challenges uh, go- moving away from this. I, um, traumatic experience. I had a lot of challenges uh, when it came to continue climbing or just climbing or being away from small kids, mm. being from a Desi background also. Um, I had a lot of abuse online too. I heard comments. I mean, I now I've climbed 10 mountains above 8,000 meter. Uh, I mean, just to put this into perspective, Burj Khalifa is just under 800 meters. So that's, you know, 10 times that. So <laughs> that really helps actually, thank you. <laughs> so, um, so it wasn't easy. Uh, people think it was, a lot of people think just because, you know, they think I have a glamorous life in Dubai or I have a lot of money. Um, even if you have that, you need a lot of, lot of other attributes, other skills. Um, so even after climbing 10 peaks, sometime I hear comments like, uh, she probably has ten, uh, six people who help carry, who help to carry her to the top. I mean, you cannot possibly, six people cannot possibly carry you mm-hmm. on the mountain because it's very hard. Uh, so, I mean, I had to, uh, I had to hear a lot of that type of uh, things. I mean, and obviously it affected me because I, I, I'm strong. I, I managed to climb all these peaks because of my physical and mental strength. Um, but I just had to ignore, put them on the side. I'm a very sensitive person, but I had to put that all on the side and continue. At one point, I actually wanted to, when I was abused online, I uh, earlier this year, just before Everest, I wanted to s- stop. I mean, there were days when I was thinking, maybe I should just stop it, then I'll, I will not get, this, uh, get the abuse. But I think I use all of that to fuel my desire to continue climbing and continue uh, achieving what I did. Uh, and turn that negative energy into positive. So I, I think that's what I'll pass on to my girls. That's amazing. And obviously from the trolls online, uh, which we hate, to the positives, how did it feel to kind of wave the Pakistani flag uh, on your most recent summit? And what kind of, um, are you aware that that's an inspiration to so many women in Pakistan? Uh, definitely. I mean, when I started, it was just to experience, uh, experience what's it like to be on the mountain, Uh, and then when I climb my third, by the time I climb my third peak, I realized because I was getting messages online or, or my friends were uh, sharing this to me that it's, I never thought it was inspirational, but, uh, but they told me it's, it's inspiring because I work full time, uh, work full time and um, I have two small kids and, you know, being from, I, I never, my family, when I was growing up, my, my uh, upbringing was very conservative. Uh, so, so I, I realize it is inspiring, and I continue 
so I did all these 10 peaks recently, especially the seven this year. Mm. Uh, the speed, I think I just wanted to get them done quick because I wanted to go back to my normal life and spend time with kids. But also to inspire women because uh, it was considered to climb one 8,000 meter peak in Pakistan, although we have so many high mountains. It was considered impossible, especially for a girl like me who was not from mountains uh, region. Uh, so to climb seven in a year, to climb ten just above just above two years, it was considered to be impossible. So so yes, yeah, so I this is one of my obje objective now to share with the girls or women or even anybody to be honest that you know you don't have to climb mountains. You you, you can have your own you know hobby or something or you're passionate about. Just go for it. Uh, don't think about the hurdles, the problems. Solve them as you go and run after your passion. You are a superwoman. Like, there's no other way to put it. You've done everything. I mean, not, you just put your heart and soul, and this conversation is so inspiring. So it's hard not to ask you, you know, like, advice on advice on advice. Uh, but, like, for all the mothers out there who are finding it difficult to just juggle things at once and want to go out of, like, you know, their conventional route and try something different, but are, you know, stopping themselves, anything you would tell them? I think, I again, I'd go back to your question about family support. The reason I was able to do all of this was because uh, of the incredible support I had and I have. And it's because it's very hard being a mother. I mean, you have so many things, and especially if you're working, if, even if you're not working, just being with the kids at home, planning everything, you know, doing everything, it's not easy. So I don't want to make anybody feel bad about just, I mean, because sometimes we, us women or mothers, start comparing ourselves uh, to others. Uh, so one thing is never ever compare because what we do as mothers or it's not easy, especially if you're working. I mean, it doesn't matter whether you work outside or inside. Uh, but what helped me, I mean, the, the tip I can give is if you have, if you want to do something, just prioritize things, uh, time management. So for example, I uh, when I was working full time, on, I'm on a short career break. When I was working full time, I used to take my kids to my training session. So I had a personal trainer. I used to get them. They loved playing in the park, and they sometimes used to join me. And I used, to, I used them as sometimes weights or put them on, a, on my shoulder, do squats. So I, I took them to my training sessions, and I, I try to work from home. I know everybody doesn't have that luxury, but I did lots of things where. And I was not spending time away from the kids too. So working from home, at least I could see them. Taking them to the training session, organized training se session, either you know during the lunch break, so I'm not really spending time before or after work. Um, so there are lots, there are things you can do, but you need to have support around you too. So that is very, I, I will really emphasize on that. It's very hard for mothers to do things without support from people around them. Um, speaking of support, uh, we've spoken to a number of mountaineers and they say one of the key challenges to summiting many peaks is financial. Um, and many of them look for sponsors to reach the bigger peaks. Do you have sponsors supporting you? So I was lucky. I have a very uh, good sponsor who uh, sponsored out of 10, they sponsored eight of my peaks. Uh, it's not easy to find a sponsor. I mean, I tried even after doing 10, I tried reaching out to others because I need to I still need to find sponsor for the remaining four now. I mean, I, because last one was an ex, uh, a successful, so I have to do it. Uh, I still have to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's not easy when we reach out to companies. Uh, 
I think because it's not even in Pakistan, we have the most number of peaks which are above 7,000 meter. Our north is beautiful. We have so many mountains, but people don't know much about mountaineering. It's not one of the uh, most popular uh, sport. Here also, we have a few, I mean, in the last couple of years, we, we also have uh, uh, last year, an Emirati woman, she was the first Emirati woman, she's my friend, her name is also Naila. She climbed Everest. Um, this year, another Emirati uh, lady, she climbed Everest and Lhotse, two mountains together. But it's, it, I mean, it's, it's not popular sport, so it's not easy and it's very expensive too. So mm -hmm. you really need to, I mean, I was working, I managed to finance first peak and I, I, I spend money towards others here and there. Um, but even if you're working, you cannot, uh, I could never have done this, uh, these 10 peaks without a sponsor. Okay. So I would like to request if anybody's watching, please, uh, not just for me, but please look into <laughs> help us mountaineers here. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, it's a similar conversation. You know, people really want to go after um, certain peaks and then also certain peaks in a number of years, you know, and, and, and reach the seven summits and all of that. But it just it takes money. Yes. Um, you said you have four or five more left to do. And what is the game plan for these? Do you have a time frame that you'd like to complete them? Uh, so, I mean, initially I was trying to climb all these peaks as quickly as I could, just for, for a number of reasons. First, because I wanted to, because uh, if I, if to climb one of the 8,000 meter peaks, sometimes it takes up to two months. But if I climb them together, I can use the same acclimatization uh, uh, process on others. I don't have to, so, so for example, I climbed Everest and Lhotse in two days. I climbed, uh, yeah. so, so, so I mean, I can uh, group them together and get benefit of the whole acclimatization process from the first peak. Uh, and then the other reason was just to, to, to inspire people that, you know, uh, it's, it's, it seems impossible, but it's not. If you want to do it, it's, it's possible. But after the last incident on the, the incident on my last peak, I think I'll take it easy. I was planning to complete everything by spring next year. Uh, but I, I'm still going through, I'm still rethinking and thinking about everything that happened. Uh, I will definitely climb all 14, inshallah, but um, I may take more time than uh, what I thought I would take Good. previously. Do you feel like the quote, you know, slow and steady wins the race is something for the mountains? Um, I mean, recently, I don't know if you watched 14 Peaks on uh, in, uh, on Netflix. It's, I mean, if you haven't, please watch it. It's a really very, very inspiring uh, movie, uh, documentary, sorry. Um, so recently, a lot of people have been climbing. They, they've been doing speed climbs and they have been successful in it. And the incident that happened, it was... I mean, you can say maybe they were rushing to uh, to reach the summit first. That happened. That's what caused the uh, accident. Um, but on the mountain, Japanese are known to go really slow and steady. Mm. And and I mean, I've, historically or previously, I I used to my speed has been my speed was quite slow. I mean, I reached the summit when I was slow. I reached the summit when I was fast. But I think most important thing is keeping your safety in mind, whether your speed is fast or slow. I, I think now, I don't think it matters anymore. You just need to think about everything around environment, safety. Just don't forget the safety aspect of yes. it when you're climbing. Yeah. Well, best of luck to you. We Thank cannot you. wait to follow your journey as you complete all 14 peaks. 
That was Nyla Kiani, who is a mountaineer and super mom. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. Thank you and telling so us much your story. for inviting Very inspiring. me. Guys, that is all we have time for on the Love and Dubai show this morning. Have a great day and we'll be back with you tomorrow morning. Same time, same place. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me.